Welcome to the Corn Conference. All right. Go quick intro, and we're off on episode one. Hi. I'm your co-host, Chief Yeager. And I'm your co-host, Eldridge Jensen. And production help from Broderick Wilkin. And we are here with Corn Conference going through all of Nebraska athletics, really, going through this crazy time of Conference Realignment Part 2. Yes, Conference Realignment. It started out with uh, Texas and Oklahoma going over to the SEC, and now uh, USC and UCLA have followed suit along with a bunch of other smaller schools going into like the big uh, the Big 12 and mm. just almost every re- every conference besides I think the ACC is realigning right now. So the obvious major news being the four major schools deciding to rip history and leave their big historic conferences, especially the Pac-12, for the SEC and the Big 10. And this is really all a ploy for money, right? Yeah. This is all just because uh, they want more money. Broadcasting rights are really big right now, so they're just going to go to where the money is. All right. Well, that's the main subject on how it's going with conference realignment part two. Obviously, the first step in conference realignment was back in the early 2010s and the uh, late 2000s when obviously you had that big phase with Nebraska leaving the Big 12 and Colorado and Missouri and Texas A&M all leaving for the Big 10, Pac-12, and the SEC. And then Big 12 had to bring in T. TCU in West Virginia, and Pac-12 brought up Utah, and it was a whole ordeal. And now this is kind of a second wave coming through, and we're moving really towards the two power conferences being the Big Ten and the SEC. Yeah, these uh, conferences are definitely going to be looked at the most compared to the other ones because they just have the bigger names in college football and basketball. Uh, And they're honestly just making more money. Yeah, they're going to be the first two conferences to have 16 teams in it. Wow. I mean, 14 was big back when they expanded to that. And now we're even looking at 16 going towards the super conferences. Yeah. Uh, the Big Ten in the next couple of years are going to be making $7 billion Jeez. because of this uh, new deal that they're deal. making. And that is just insane to think about over, what, a 10-year span, 7-year span, they're making $7 billion. Dollars. So a billion yeah. a year. We'll get into that a little bit more later, but right now we're going to look at the specifics of what teams are moving where. Obviously, we mentioned Texas and Oklahoma to the SEC. That'll happen in 2025. And USC and UCLA to the Big Ten. That'll be in 2024. But this next season, the Big 12, they'll be at 14 teams because Texas and Oklahoma will still be in. And then they're adding four teams, BYU, Houston, UCF, and Cincinnati. BYU obviously being an independent, and the last three mentioned being the Group of Five AAC. That'll happen in 2023. There's also some rumors out there that Gonzaga might join, even though they don't have a football program. Yeah, that would definitely just be for basketball purposes for Gonzaga. Obviously. Yep. And uh, BYU, Houston, UCF, and Cincinnati have all been have proven themselves to be football programs. Cincinnati making the college football playoffs last year, even, and UCF being uh, undisputed or uh, claimed national champions in 2017 under Scott Frost. And obviously, not just the college football playoff. You think those three teams have accounted for five eighths of all the New York Six uh, group of five representatives in the history of the of the uh, New Year Six bowl games, and the ACC I think makes up. Um, Seven of the last nine representatives total, I think that would be Memphis and now Tulane this year, the other two teams not leaving the conference that have also 
gone to play in the New Year's Six Bowl. Mm-hmm. Now we look at the Pac-12. The Pac-12 right now sits at 10 teams with the two USC and UCLA leaving in 2024. There's also some rumors that South Dakota State might join and bump it up to 11. I know that the Pac-12 really wants to keep that Southern California you know, area of recruiting and just presence there. That would be really important to them. The ACC doesn't have any changes right now. They're going to remain the same at 14 teams, even though not the strongest of conferences. And then we still have our independents, Notre Dame, UConn, UMass, Army, and they will remain independents. But BYU, obviously we said joining the Big 12, and then Liberty and New Mexico State are both both joining Conference USA. Now, the group of five is where it gets interesting because – there is a lot of crazy movement going on there right now. Yeah, the AAC alone, since they're uh, losing Cincinnati, Houston, and UCF, uh, they're going to try to replace that with Charlotte, FAU, North Texas, Rice, UAB, and UTSA, all from the conference USA. Uh, this will be another 14-team conference. It'll be a 14-team conference, and those teams are all joining next season. So Conference USA is losing those six teams. Mm-hmm. So they're adding the two independents, Liberty and New Mexico State. And then from the FCS, they're adding Jacksonville State, Sam Houston State, and Kennesaw State. I'm not sure if I'm actually saying that right. Kennesaw. Kennesaw State? I think all so. right. That sounds more right. Yeah. And then the Sun Belt will add Marshall, Southern Miss, and Old Dominion. And James Madison from the FCS level. Well, those four teams all joined this year in 2022. So Sun Belt expanded. They're a lot bigger. So in a span of two seasons, Conference USA lost nine teams. They went from a 14-team conference to a five-team conference. Wow. And they had to add those four teams to get back up to eight. Yeah, they had to add a team that's never played Division I before. Excuse me, nine or ten, I believe, actually. Yeah. That's just crazy. But uh, the Mid-American Conference will remain at 12. The Mountain West Conference will remain at 12 for football. And there are 11 main members, obviously. Hawaii only participates in Mountain West for football. Yep. And, uh, yeah, so the MAC and the Mountain West are going to remain the same. So certainly Group of Five will be all over the place, but the main focus will be on the Power Five conferences, kind of moving towards Power Two conferences, especially with everything going on, i.e., yeah, what are the playoffs going to look like in five years? Well, especially with 12 teams now coming on, it's, yeah. it's going to be looking crazy. Yeah. Well, so this first episode of the podcast is all centered around football, obviously the biggest, most powerful driving sport in all of college athletics. In future episodes, we'll get into some other sports, but right now, it's all about the football and the pigskin. Mm-hmm. That's all I care about, honestly. <laughs> Joking. Yeah. Uh, do you want to start talking about TV deals now? Yes. Yeah, so the main reason that football is so impactful is because it brings in the most money. And the reason that all of this conference alignment is happening and those four big teams are leaving their conferences is all about TV deals and media rights. Mainly, as we said, the Big Ten has completed a seven-year deal with Fox, CBS, and NBC that is set to bring in more than $7 billion to the most powerful athletic conference in the nation. The deal begins on July 1st of 2023, and it'll run through the end of the 29 to 30 athletic year. This is all per ESPN, and the Big Ten will earn a whopping over $1 billion per year. Yeah, and then the SEC will be gain $3 billion, which 
sounds like a lot less, but honestly, it's not. Three billion dollars is still three billion. It's still a lot of money. Yeah. I mean, that that's still like one of the biggest deals ever. Yeah. It's just that in comparison to the, to the Big, Big Ten, Ten deal. So I mean, the SEC annually will get a payment of three hundred million. This is. Their new deal they signed with ESPN, obviously, the big news being CBS. Yeah, this deal is will be them. five times larger than their previous deal at $55 million. So as you can see, it's obviously becoming a power two conferences between SEC and Big Ten. Yep. Yeah, ESPN also will be leaving their longtime partner in the Big Ten and do more SEC and ACC games instead. So it's really becoming kind of like choosing sides now you got it you got you've got tv markets and deals all choosing sides between big 10 and sec and you've got teams leaving their conferences all for all the money and you know all the focus i mean but here's my big question right now was that decision made under the presumption that the college football playoff would stay at four teams i would believe so because you want more teams from your conference in the uh in the uh playoffs but now that there's gonna be 12 teams you could have just done that in your original conferences it seems really and odd it would have honestly been easier to get in from your original conferences because obviously this is all speculation yeah. obviously what we're talking about but obviously you got to think that really hurt it just ever nobody likes the idea of usc and ucla having to play you know a bunch of midwestern teams i mean the rose bowl is obviously between the Big Ten and Pac-12, and that'll remain the same, but it just won't have the same feel of it with UCLA being a Big Ten team and not playing all those West Coast teams. Yeah, exactly. It's going to be weird seeing uh, UCLA playing uh, Michigan probably in the snow or something like that. That's going to be fun to watch. It'll be fun to watch, but it's going to be weird to watch. The grand things, it's weird. What's UCLA's record looking like in the snow, you think? They're definitely not uh, very good. Yeah. I don't know. Chip Kelly is a really good head coach. No, but. yeah, Chip Kelly is a good head coach. So is Lincoln Riley, and they're probably going to do great things in the Big Ten. But yeah, it's crazy. Those November games are probably going to be a, a struggle for them. So obviously, the Big Ten is winning the money deal right now. Obviously, with a billion dollars a year. But in terms of actually what they gain from the football perspective in the teams, who do you think is winning, the SEC or the Big Ten, with their addition? Uh, I'm gonna have to go with the SEC, honestly. Oh, yeah. All right, Texas, explain. Texas is uh, looking like they're during in a resurgence right now. They're about to get Arch Manning, who is a perfect. Uh, is that confirmed yet? Yeah, he committed. He really? He committed earlier. This I missed year. that. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Uh, yeah, Arch Manning already committed, so he's the nephew of Peyton and Eli Manning. So you gotta expect great things from this kid. So and he's playing in the SEC too, just like they did. Yeah. Uh, Oklahoma. I don't know what what to think of them right now, just because they had to come, they had to switch their play style completely. They wiped the floor with us, but we're a bad team, so they were also riding high. They were ranked high. I, I mean, thought they were going to be a lot better than they were this year. I thought that they think, have a good quarterback. I think if, they just got down say, on themselves, yeah. and that's why they. I mean, they're still going to a bowl game technically. They yeah. believe they're playing Florida State in the Cheez It Bowl. Mm-hmm. Hyped. Yeah, that's a great room that they're going to stay in. <laughs> All right. Yeah. So. I don't know. They just need to find their. Uh, they just need to find their identity again. That's all Oklahoma needs to do, and it might take them a couple years, but and hopefully they can adjust in the SEC well. Unlike, yeah, because obviously we saw how Missouri did coming into the SEC. They started off hot, and then they haven't been able to do anything in like ten years, football wise. Crazy. Well, I disagree. I think that from the football perspective, I think that the Big Ten is winning. Just, I mean, if you look at this season alone. USC barely, barely missed the playoffs this year playing in the Pac-12. And UCLA had one of their best seasons 
in recent memory under Chip Kelly. Mm-hmm. They were ranked pretty much all season long, played very well. And, I, you know, I think with Lincoln Riley leaving Oklahoma and going to USC, I, Brett Venables had a really bad year. And I think that in the future, it's really a gamble. I mean, I don't think there's any evidence to say that we know that Brett Venables is going to be able to change around the Oklahoma Sooners. I mean, Oklahoma made the playoff in the uh, Big 12, but they never won any playoff games against they should have they played Georgia, Clemson, and Bama. And now going into the SEC, they're going to have to play. They're going to have to play Alabama a lot. They're going to have to play Georgia, you know, Florida, Kentucky, Ole Miss. There's a lot of good coaches and good teams in that SEC, and I'm not sure if Oklahoma is going to be able to live up to it. Now, Texas is a lot more interesting. They've looked a lot better under head coach Steve Starkeesian, and now I guess, yeah, Arch Manning going to Texas. We'll see how he looks. Yeah. Um, a name like Arch Manning is just going to bring more high value recruits. Oh, for that sure. Way just just, just having the Manning name. Yeah, exactly. So Texas, I can definitely see rise up to the SEC standards, but it might take a Oklahoma it's a couple take, years and maybe a new coach. Take Oklahoma some time. Yeah. And, but I think what we're going to see right away with USC and UCLA in the Big Ten is that early in the season, USC and UCLA are just going to dominate. You know, the weather's going to be good. They're going to be controlling games, doing everything they can. And I think, but as it gets colder, they're going to have some more struggles and they're going to, you know, they're going to have to go and play Purdue, you know, the top team killer in the Big Ten. Yep. They're going to have to play at the Big House in Michigan, you know, the Horseshoe. You're going to have to, yeah. You know, play at uh, Death Valley or, no, not Death, Death Valley. Valley. Fucking whatever. Uh, what's Penn State called? Happy Valley. Happy Valley. I knew it was a valley. <laughs> you know, Camp Randall is a tough place to play. You know, Minnesota can get really cold. I've been to some really cold games in Minnesota. Mm-hmm. You know, and you know, thinking about traveling to go up to Rutgers or Maryland. Yeah, they can have their free win at Nebraska, though. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Matt Rule. So, speaking of Nebraska, with all of this going on right now, what does this mean for Husker football? Uh, It puts them in a great position to grow, grow in the future, and being uh, one of the two power and one of the two power conferences. Yeah, money's always going to be a big factor. Money's going to be good in the Big Ten, and we're doing really well nil wise. Yeah. So financially, I think Husker football won't have any problems right now. We fit in perfectly uh, financially. But obviously the big news for the Huskers recently, being in a conference of strength, they have good draw for coaching and recruiting for, as we said, the NIL and all the money deals. And with the expansion of the college football playoff to put them in position. But with all that, we've got Matt Rule coming in as our new head coach. I mean, mm-hmm. what was your first reaction when Matt Rule was hired? Uh, when I first heard it, I was pretty happy, honestly, just because this guy is known for building uh, or turning around uh, teams. He did it at Rice, and he did it at Baylor a couple of years ago before he went to the NFL. His stint in the NFL obviously was not good, but guess what? It's the NFL. We saw Nick Saban fail in the NFL. I've seen a lot of good college football head coaches fail yeah. in the NFL. Rice, Rice or Temple? You said Rice. Temple. Yep. Temple. My bad. Yeah. <clears throat> Thank you, Brody. That's Brody. I I was a little surprised by Matt Rule. I didn't think we – I thought we were – what I thought we were down to, I thought it was down to Leipold, Chris Kleeman, Urban Meyer, and I'm blanking on who the fourth coach I thought it was going to be, but it was not Matt Rule. I didn't think we were going to get Matt Rule, and I was really surprised by it, but – the more I listen to Matt Rule talk, and that we saw him at his opening press conference sounding like a preacher, and all being a preacher's son he is, um, you know, I was ready to run through a brick wall. <laughs> I'm ready. 
I I really think that he can turn it around. I think we're going to have to see some rough first season or two maybe, especially with the transfer portal being as big as it's gotten and all the players leaving and obviously players being frustrated with Mickey not being retained and we won't get into that a whole lot yeah let's not talk about mickey joseph too much yeah but i mean there's a couple i mean i don't think he retained really many coaches at all or i mean it's all new strength no, and conditioning coaches new, uh, yeah it's a whole new staff. all position coaches ed foley new special teams coordinator yeah, got, bill bush isn't retained yeah we have south carolina's uh offensive coordinator and they just put up some really big numbers their last couple of games against clemson and uh tennessee so yeah they had yeah. firepower they just didn't always go off yeah So, obviously, Nebraska had to change conferences from the Big 12 to the Big 10 back in the day, and now they're sticking with the Big 10, and I think right now that was a pretty good decision from Tom Osborne to change conferences. Yeah, it was definitely a good decision. It may not have been uh, great for us as a program just because we have not had the most success since coming into the conference. We did early on. We went, made it to a couple of conference championships. Was it one or two? It was just one, but we yeah we got murdered by Wisconsin. That was a weird game. Yeah, but we we started off pretty hot, and then we got a new coach, and then another new coach, and now we're on another new coach. So hopefully we can finally turn it around under Matt Rule, who is known for turning programs around. Well, he does have the good track record he had at Temple and Baylor, but yeah. obviously it's going to take him some time. Yeah, people keep bringing up his uh uh record against ranked teams at while at Baylor he was there for three years three seasons yeah three seasons and, and if you look at his like the game he might not have won a ranked game but I f he spent one year with Baylor when they were really good and yeah. that year they came within a you know one play like two times beating Oklahoma mm -hmm. and they were really close to beating other ranked teams so I don't think it's not like he wasn't competitive in those games you know those games were they were in it right until the very end exactly so we just get we just have to give him a couple of years and we obviously will because he has an 8 year contract mm -hmm. so we're definitely going to give him his time and, and you we're going to hopefully get him his play and you know he built up that program and it didn't take long for Dave Aranda to come in and win a Big 12 title he just won it last year against Oklahoma State mm -hmm. and they went on to win, win the Sugar Bowl right after that yeah so definitely a proven proven builder but i mean with the whole thing with Nebraska, you know, the con the divisions are going away. And so the West, which is obviously the must much weaker side mm -hmm. of divisions in the Big Ten, you know, there's only one more season of divisions before USC and UCLA come. And then, you know, there's it's rumored that there will be pods, little pods. I'm not sure how reliable that information is, but I think Nebraska might be in a pod with USC and UCLA having to play them. Yep. Every year, obviously, I think they'll still play Iowa every year. Them being oh, their big Iowa, Black Friday rival. Yeah, Iowa is definitely going to stay on our schedule for that Black Friday slate every year. I guarantee it, just because that has become basically our rival in the Big Ten. We want to beat Iowa every year. That is our goal. Like we had a very disappointing year this year, even though Mickey Joseph did as well as he could do. Uh, well, after Scott Frost got fired, we ended up beating Iowa, and that's literally just. Kind of, you know, sweets and sweetens the season up a little bit. It did. It was it was a nice end of the season to finish one win better than we did three and nine last year to actually get four and eight. Felt a lot better, especially with that uh, yeah. rivalry heroes game trophy now in our athletic yeah. department. Finally, again. finally got it back after about ten years. Finally, still working on that. Uh, Any other trophy? Quite yeah, honestly. yeah. 
bits of broken chair trophy. Now the Boston Bowl trophy is oh, out there. Oh, that's my favorite. Ooh. That's my new favorite trophy. Your favorite one. Football, that's pretty cool. Honestly. Can I spin this narrative around a little bit quick? Go for it. I want to come back to talking about the conference realignments, uh, mainly because you guys made some points that I would like to uh, counter-argue a little bit. All right. So we talk about UCLA, UCLA and USC not being able to handle November weather. Well, there is Washington and Washington State in their conference. They do know what cold weather is about. They have played in those conditions. They don't know that Midwest cold. It gets cold up in it gets cold up in Washington, but uh, I would like to say that I think every single one of the expansion teams, uh, like expansion teams or conference realignment teams, teams joining the SEC and the Big Ten, I really uh, believe they'll probably end up having a lot of line struggles to start. If you guys could. Uh, down in the trenches? Yeah. Down in the trenches. I, I, I do believe uh, the physicality and the, like, pure strength in those positions might be a uh, point of struggle to start with the teams. But uh, I really uh, – I think all the teams will take a bit of adjusting to, like, get up to the, those standards. But I also think you have to look from an eye that's not, like, a superiority complex already being in the Big Ten and being like, oh, well, anyone who comes in here isn't going to succeed because I don't think that's necessarily true either. What I think uh, USC is going to struggle with, unless they improve on it over the next couple of years, is their defense up front especially. Like, How are they going to match up against Wisconsin, who is controlling the point of attack the whole game? They're going to be able to run for 200-plus yards on them every time they match up because we saw how they uh, played in the – Pac-12 championship against Utah, they couldn't stop anyone. How are they going to stop? I think if there's any team in the Pac-12 that's most similar to a Big Ten team, it probably is Utah. You know, they're a team that's Mm going to try and control the line of scrimmage and pound the football. And both times, you know, they were 2-0 against Lincoln Riley's uh, team this year, and they won the Pac-12 championship again, and they're going to be the representative in the Rose Bowl for the second year in a row. And just looking at style of play, I really think they're the closest thing to a Big Ten team, and they keep winning the Pac-12, so... I, I think they're definitely going to need to see some adjustments from UC and UCLA to find success here. Yeah, didn't they also beat uh, UCLA, Utah? I believe so. I believe so, yeah. So they're beating the Big Ten team, so. Allegedly. Allegedly. I'd also like to pump the brakes on Texas, not ju- not because I am a uh, Texas hater. You but, are a Texas Oh, I'm a Texas hater, hater too, but I well, just see a lot of p- potential. Generational hating. Yeah. <laughs> But I would like to pump the brakes on them a little bit, just purely because while they do have, they they are bringing in a lot of talent. They're still struggling against Big Twelve defenses, and I think uh, when you look at those bowl games at the end of the season and you see the massive numbers those Big Twelve defenses give up, it's kind of a lead for concern as to like how they'll uh, finish in the SEC for both of those teams. But well, I think also the Big 12 for a number of years has been like the premier offensive conference. It has been, yeah. I mean, so well, one th- that's a double a double-edged short sword. Obviously, you can say, yeah, they probably need to fix up their defense quite a bit. Um, but then they're going to the SEC. But at the same time, the offenses in the Big 12 are something else. Yeah, it's true. It's very true. And you could also you could also argue that the possibility for those offenses being so high powered is because all the defenses are a little bit uh, less off. However, I also uh, I mean it might it might be a lot less far off than uh, it's led to believe uh, on occasion. Mm-hmm. I mean Texas here they're eight and four 
they a lot of those losses are without Quinn. I think Ewers, they though. what think, they got like one more win than they did last season. Yeah, but, I, uh, I think uh, if Quinn Ewers is healthy in almost all those games, I think they win. They only have maybe two losses. They went again. five and seven last year. Yeah. Well, I mean, we have Texas A&M and Missouri as represented. Well, obviously, this was, you know, 10 years ago, but Texas A&M and Missouri left the Big 12 for the Big 10. Or for the and SEC. Then, yeah, for the SEC, excuse me. And in Missouri's first three seasons, they made it to the SEC championship twice. Yeah. I mean, they. I mean, they were. It, they looked good back, back when then. Gary Pinkle was their head coach. Yeah. Still, I mean, in their second and third season in the SEC, they went uh, seven and one both times again conference play, and they won the Cotton Bowl and the Citrus Bowl those years. Yeah, and Texas A and M was similar. They had one of the most high powered offenses in the SEC with Johnny, Johnny Football, Man- yeah, with Johnny Manziel, baby. And you know what? While I do make these arguments, you guys are right. There's very high chance for them to turn those kind of things around. Also, especially just looking at other teams, uh, having the abilities to just rise up from the uh, football dead in terms of just being football programs that are not known to be successful at all. Like, look at Kentucky. In the SEC, never really been good at football or really haven't had a successful season in a very, very long time. Yeah, And they, were and they, they ran wild this, this season. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's another thing that, you know, as we said, with the two conferences the sec and the big 10 becoming power conferences there are going to be huge draws for coaches to want to have jobs and we know we're seeing that both conferences now are kind of getting loaded with really good head coaches i mean you look at the sec you've got lane i mean aside from you know nick Nick saban and kirby smart obviously the two national championship winning head coaches i mean you've got mark stoops you've got lane kiffin you've got um guy at mississippi state i'm blanking on his name mm-hmm. mike leach mike leach he's, i love mike he's leach. a fun guy i like mike i mean leach. vanderbilt wasn't too bad this year either i mean yeah it's i mean there's a lot of really good coaches down in the sec and you look up in the big 10 you've got jim harbaugh and you've got ryan day ryan day people and now matt rule and luke day. fickle is at wisconsin and you know chip kelly and lincoln riley are joining the conference yeah people who think ryan day is not a good coach they that they're, they're full of crap. I mean, they said that like he's had all his talent and he's only won one playoff game. It's like, okay, yeah, Urban Meyer had all that talent and he only won two playoff games, and that was both in 2014. And hey, let's look at this. Uh, Texas has had all their talent for the longest time, and they have not managed to get do anything with yeah, it. Texas yeah, Texas always really... brings in some of the top and recruiting had, classes, and, and they can never do anything with it. Yeah, and who had the number one recruiting class by far going into this year? It was Texas A&M, A&M and, and they, they won, couldn't do they anything won four in the SEC. Oh my God! Because they have bad coaching. Oh. It's bad coaching. Jimbo Fisher is not a good coach. Anyone? I'm gonna say Buckeyes fans, y'all got it good. Him. Yeah, you're in the playoff this year, and you want Ryan Day fired? Oh my gosh, grow up! Oh. And I'll take I Ryan feel Day. like as no, I have I take Ryan Day too. I'll take Ryan. Yeah, I'll take Ryan Day. We're technically no- younger in the uh, Nebraska fan base, but back when. Uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, right after Tom Osborne. Tom Osborne's it was, uh, uh, predecessor. Solich. Uh, yeah, Solich right. got fired for having a national championship contest contending team. Was it a national? They championship went to the national team? championship in 2001. I thought. Yeah, they did. They, they lost did. the national championship game to o- Miami. Ohio State was in a national championship game in 2020 against Alabama. Yeah, that or, was with Ryan Day with and Ryan, Justin Fields. Yeah, with Ryan yep. Day and Fields. He got fired for going nine and three. So he, yeah, he has one. Uh, yeah. I mean, 
he went 11 and 1 this year. Yeah, and they couldn't beat Michigan. The second year in a row they could beat Michigan. These Michigan and teams are special if I you know, watch they, the game. They are really good. And I understand like, that Michigan didn't have Blake Corum, but CJ McCarthy is a JJ. Really, JJ McCarthy is a really good quarterback. Yeah. Like they actually have a Compton quarterback. Not saying McNamara is not good, but he's not on McCarthy's level. He's going to Iowa now if that tells you anything. <laughs> <laughs> tells you anything. <laughs> Yeah, we got uh, Cade McNamara's got going to have to throw to himself when he's at Iowa. All Honestly, the receivers like, who, are gonna, transferring out of there. Who's he going to throw to? No, it could Brian Ferentz. They're tight end, probably. They're probably going to have a stack tight end. They're probably going to have one tight end that's going to be like the best in college football. Yeah. And then they're going to the next George Kittle's be a game out of the Big Ten championship. Yeah. So, yeah, with that, I would like to uh, warn fans of teams that are successful and they have an mm-hmm. offseason to uh not not take your off season yeah one loss off seasons uh or seasons uh don't take your success for granted because you never know when it's gone alabama's doing the same thing right now too because they're not calling for nick saban's head obviously i mean nick saban could play there another 100 years and they'd never fire him but they i heard alabama people saying maybe nick saban's losing his edge because he has two losses on the year and they were still that close to making it to a— They were on the last—so I agree that Alabama should not have been in the playoff this year, but their two losses were on the last play of the game against Tennessee in an, a packed house and against LSU in a packed house and almost lost to Texas in a packed house. And, you know, teams bring the energy for Bama. Yeah, because if you beat Bama, you're almost a legend, basically. Yeah. That's a legendary season. And That's the greatest season you could think of. I still think it's ridiculous that Nick Saban felt the need to go on the live air and beg the playoff committee to give them a spot. Yeah. And I would also like to mention that not, like, literally, how long ago was this? Uh, 2020, they had a, uh, I, don't, I don't think I would consider it, like, a top, top greatest of all team, but they had an unreal, fantastic team only three seasons ago and when you lose talent like that you just kind of have to restart over then yeah. again uh and you know what actually bouncing off of that uh when you really think about it uh i think the reason alabama doesn't have as much of an edge anymore is because of the transfer portal oh yeah that's, now, I don't, that's very true i can't completely argue uh that because i don't know alabama's numbers in terms of how many well, kids uh, leave because i know nick saban is very very good at keeping his players on his team well, I just saw a graphic earlier in the week that showed a lot of Alabama players already uh, announcing they're going to transfer. That was after uh, Dion got hired, by the way. So, so yeah, I mean, and Alabama has the same amount of like transferring, and it's just really like uh, the transfer portal has really enabled a very large uh, spread in talent compared to anything we've ever seen before, and uh, personally, I think it's a great thing for college football. I mean, you look at the playoffs right now. Uh, other than Georgia just being a really, really dominant team, and you, it's really hard to see them losing to anyone right now. Uh, the door's wide open for the other teams to make their own playoff runs, and uh, with, uh, what, two new teams in the playoffs compared to, well, I guess Michigan and Ohio State have both been in the playoffs before, but just, like, new faces outside of uh, – Georgia, Alabama, and uh, Clemson every year. Yeah, even it's though very Michi- interesting. Even though this is Michigan's second straight year making it to the playoffs, they still feel like the new kid on the block almost. Like even though, oh, even more than more so than TCU. No, no, not more so than TCU, but they, I don't know, they, they haven't had the success of Ohio State over the last couple of years, and I just like seeing them in the playoffs. I always liked 
they've always been my uh, East team. Well, what's good news for the Big Ten is that they now are a legitimate force that they can claim to hand to be the second-hand team, not second-hand conference, but like right there with the SEC yeah, now like being a, only the second conference that's yeah. gotten two of their own teams in one playoff. Yeah, they can almost claim to be like a 1A, 1B kind of thing with uh, the SEC. Like there's like a conference isn't better than the other one right now. Mm-hmm. I also think with conference realignment and with conference realignment also bringing the playoffs, the 12-team playoffs, I think it's really going to show us who the dominant, dominant conferences are because we really only get one or two SEC Big Ten matchups in the playoffs a year. Now, we do get our bowl games, but it, it players just play like it means so much more when it is a playoff setting. When you have stakes, you have something to play for, you have an opportunity to win a national championship, you could be the 12th best team in the nation, or at least by AP or playoff poll rankings, and you still have a shot. And for as I mean, and I mean, in comparison to like top four teams, which oftentimes just are that much better than like a 12th seeded team, you still have a chance to make some noise. And I think with the opening of 12 team playoffs, it's also going to allow, uh, I think a lot of transfer players are going to see that you can go other places and still make the playoffs. I mean, you can go to smaller schools with uh, less, like y- you don't have to go to the core six seven or six or seven teams that always make the four team playoff every year when there's probably now going to be like upwards of like 30 or 40 different teams that probably make it in the next like in the first probably like seven years of it existing yeah it's definitely going to even out recruiting like not everyone's going to need to feel like they need to go to alabama to win a national championship anymore well i i don't necessarily want to say that as much as i want to say uh because, like, a, a big thing with the playoffs is being a player in the playoffs means that you have NFL scouts just, like, picking apart everything yeah. you do. So you have a really good chance to show yourself off and skyrocket your draft stock. And if you know you can go to a team outside of Alabama, be their star player, and uh, make a playoff spot. Yeah, that's what uh, I'm saying. These that's five, lower down. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, all these five stars don't just, have to go to Alabama anymore to show off. They can go to exactly. They can go to a Nebraska and be the best player on that team and hopefully uh, make it to a a uh, playoff contention. Yeah, yeah. Nebraska will be back someday. One day. One, One day. day. Soon. All right. Well, we got good talk about football now. We are all enclosed around all Husker sports. Let's take a look. Just take a little look around what Husker sports have been into recently and now we first look at husker hoops where we have uh nebraska women's basketball defeating the highly ranked maryland and 20 maryland and then our men's team the other day just upset creighton this is husker hoops is up yeah this is definitely fred hoiberg's best year i don't care already yeah i don't care if we're what 10 games into the season is it 10 yeah i think we're about Uh, 10 games into the season already yeah we have beat Creighton for the first time un- in his tenure, so this is definitely a, a high, a good season for him. Good season. Yeah, we are nine games in, and right now we are. I mean, we have a better record than the likes of uh, what, Michigan, six and three. Uh, we are six and three right now, uh, and honestly, we're placed, uh, you know, right around the middle of the pack of the Big Ten. And for Nebraska basketball, who has rarely ever seen any success, that is huge 
Uh, when was the last time you could say that a Husker basketball season had a better year than their football team? Uh, probably not ever. Because uh, the only time I can come back to Nebraska men's basketball being successful was, I think, in 2016. Yeah, I'm going to go with Tim Miles' year where uh, he made, uh, it to the, uh, yeah, made it to a tournament, but made a tournament appearance. But besides that, I could not tell you. Let's look at that. You might have to go back to the 1950s to find that. You ain't got to go back a while. Yeah, because I'm looking at the coaching history right now, and uh, yeah, not a lot of not a lot of uh, good stuff coming from these coaches. Hey, well, Hoiberg Hoiberg's got his team, and I'm excited to see them play. Yeah, we got Big right. Ten season coming. It was up. actually 2014, which uh, in 2014 Nebraska football Husker football was probably decent still that year. did better. Yeah, because the Bo, still, Bo, Bo that Pelini was Bo Pelini, was still so we went at least nine and three. Yeah, I think that was was that Bo's last year. That was Bo's last yeah, year. No, that, that was his last. That was the last year, year before Mike by. Riley. Ooh, that was he might have gone. That's a good question. Then I don't know. Uh, I'll take a I'll take a a, a tournament appearance over a loss in a bowl game. So, twenty fourteen, maybe twenty fourteen. Yeah. Yep, we'll go twenty fourteen. All right, now switching up four though. Oh, <laughs> uh, which well, I would say is pretty good. Now switching it up, uh, we got Husker Women's Swim and Dive. They just had the Hawkeye Invitational three-day meet with six different teams, and the Huskers won the Hawkeye Invitational with 952 points over Rutgers, Illinois, Iowa, Northern Iowa, and Iowa State. It's some really good performances. There were some NCAA standard B-cut times. We had Maya Hall, who had a 210.76 in the 200 breaststroke. That's a really good time. Shannon Stott had a sub two minute in the 200 fly with a 158.38. And yeah, they had a really good meet overall. I got a diver that's doing really well right now. They've. They're looking like they have a really good season right now. I'm not going to pretend like I know diving and swimming, but that sounds like some really good stuff for Nebraska. We just need more wins, more success in all of our sports. Like, it's good to hear that we're winning at stuff. Well, especially that women's team. Yeah. The women's team's here. The women's, great. We're a women's sports team. Women's sports school. I'm proud women's of it. Women's sports school. Our volleyball team, one of the best in the nation. We're the two seed in the uh, tournament. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Husker, it's actually Husker. a great send off. How about that yeah. volleyball team right now? That volleyball team. Ooh, Ooh. they look nasty. Gonna, we're gonna win the natty. <laughs> I'm ready to go. Let's take a look at that bracket right now. Nebraska is on to the what is that? The uh, round of is this a round of eight right now? The third round. Uh, well, against we Oregon, who'd we who beat in our first I don't think rounds, we have it? played in a very long time. Huh? Who did we beat in our first two rounds? I know we beat Kansas. So we beat Delaware State Delaware. and Kansas. Small team in Kansas. We swept uh, Oregon on Thursday. Delaware State uh, went 3-1 on Kansas. They were playing Oregon on Thursday. Not having uh, Kenzie Knuckles is going to be that's going to hurt. Very yeah. worrying coming into what I imagine uh, Oregon or uh, Nebraska has a pretty decent shot at advancing against Oregon. Uh, but after that, I think uh, it might get questionable. Yeah, do we have to – will we play uh, Louisville after that? 
We would either play Louisville or Baylor, which I imagine we'll have to play Louisville, yeah. who Nebraska has a very rough history against Louisville. Now we lost to them last year. Yeah. Uh, in other brackets, Texas is doing about exactly how everyone expected them to. Uh, Ohio State and Minnesota are, fa- are about to face off. Uh, in They face off in... Uh, two days from here, which is December yeah. 8th. Thursday. Yeah, so I'd assume Thursday. Ohio State takes that one. Really? Okay. They had a neck-and-neck uh, neck, uh, battle the last time they both faced two very, very, very good volleyball you know, programs. You know who I'm surprised to see in the Sweet 16? is Marquette. Yes, I actually. I know they got a four seed, but still, I'm kind of I'm kind of surprised they're doing as well as you are. Yeah. Marquette, Marquette's only a school you really hear come basketball season, men's yeah. basketball season. Marquette is up there, but they are playing Texas. Yeah. S- a superpower, and I mean a superpower uh, volleyball oh, school right now. And all up in Wisconsin, they're pulling for that Marquette, Wisconsin oh, yeah. Final Four. Yeah, Wisconsin, I think, has to be the favorite to win it again this year. They just look dominant. They're so dominant. Sorry, I think this is I, the Sweet I hate 16. Them, but I, yes. They're so dominant. This, yeah, they're in the Sweet 16. They play the first two I rounds. Round of, it's just I said like round of 8. It's just like round it's just like the uh March Madness. 64, 32, 16, 8, 4. Sweet 16. Okay. Quick maths. Ah, math isn't my strong suit. As for that, uh what other sports we got going on right now? Well, I do have some information on cross country. Ooh. Not going to lie, we, the cross-country team had a little bit of a rough finish Then the NCAA Division I Midwest Regional. The men's teams placed 24th out of 27 teams. They finished behind Creighton, Illinois, Chicago, North Dakota, Southern Illinois, St. Louis, and North Dakota State, to name just a few. Their top runner placed, well, he scored 76th, was 77th overall. That was Bailey Timmons, the senior, running a 30-59 in the 10K. There's a couple older guys up in the, one of the top three finish, top three finishers for the Huskers. And then he got a sophomore, I know Adam Christopher was in there. I think we got a freshman in there. So a little bit of a rough finish for the men. As for the women's side, looking on their 6K, the Huskers placed 11th out of the 33 teams in their regional. Quite a lot better. Uh, They beat the likes of Oklahoma and Iowa and Kansas and Kansas State, some other power schools, and finished just behind the likes of South Dakota State, Missouri. I know Loyola, Chicago is decent. They were in there. Um Illinois and Minnesota were both in the top six on Big Ten teams. So they had uh, the women's team, I think they had a pretty good year. Uh, Men's team, um, not so, not as well. Uh, At the Big Ten championships in Ann Arbor this year, the women's placed 10th overall. The men's were 11th. So I think decent season for the women's and men's teams. Yeah. And for Nebraska wrestling, they just won the uh, Cliff Keen Las Vegas Collegiate Wrestling. Oh, we got the Huskers love their wrestling. Yeah, they do love their wrestling. Uh, this is apparently our third year in a row winning this invitational. So our mm. wrestlers dominance. We always do pretty well wrestling wise. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, sometimes it's hard to put into perspective the uh, talent behind uh, the Nebraska wrestling team when you look at the rest of the Big Ten and just how much of a uh, wrestling dominant conference they are. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you have people like Spencer Lee at Iowa. I'm not big on wrestling, but if you 
just hearing people's I, names like I that, can tell you yeah, right now, you know pretty gonna, much every Big Ten really team. Good. I think everyone. Especially Iowa. Yeah. Yeah. No, Wisconsin. My uncle wrestled for the Badgers. Mm-hmm. I think Michigan's pretty good at No, Michigan is a really good wrestling team. Yeah. Yep. Got that farm boys in there. What would, what do we have then? <laughs> I don't know. Not as good farm boys, I guess. Yeah, no, I guess not. We make better corn though. <laughs> All right, well, <laughs> thank you for tuning in. This has been the first episode of Corn Conference. Today's focus was on football. Next time we will have our focus on the women's volleyball team and looking at what they're going to be looking at in the future with conference realignment. And once again, I am Chai Fieger. I'm Eldridge Jensen. And we are partnered here with Broderick Wilkin with a little bit of production help. Thank you very much, Brody. Thank you. And thank you for tuning in and we will see y'all next time. and production help from Broderick Wilkin.